Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And on today's episode, we are going to go from zero to however far we can get with NX. We're going to take a look at the latest version of NX, kind of dive in, sling some code around, see how far we can get, and uh, discuss the what NX brings and that sort of thing. So let's meet our panelists today. We've got Alyssa Nichol with us. Alyssa, how's it going? Hey, glad to be here. And we've got Bonnie Brennan with us back. Bonnie, how's it going? It's going great. I'm excited. I missed you guys last week. I didn't want to miss the show. And I'm a big fan of NX, so uh, I think this is going to be pretty cool. Very cool. Very cool. Mike Brocky's with us. Mike, how's it going? Uh, sorry, I was a little busy. I have like pages and pages of questions ready to ask to learn a little <laughs> bit more about NX. So I want to get those ready and organized. I'm not prepared. You're going to love it, Mike. Yeah, it'll be really interesting because NX is built on the Angular CLI. So you may be asking yourself those questions. We'll find out. I don't know. All right. And uh, as a coach. <laughs> All right. And so I'm going to be showing a bunch of stuff with NX, uh, but I've got a co guest with me. Uh, Jason Jean is joining us. Jason, how's it going? Hey. So I'm going to, I work on NX. So I guess I will be fielding the more expert questions, per se. Yeah, like well, don't, like like all day every day. All day every day. Yeah. Wow. Well, don't worry because NX is built on the CLI, so if there's anything wrong, you can just kick it back and blame it on them. Yes. On Mike specifically. Mike can't answer. Yeah. Yeah. Which is nothing. Mike can answer anything. So. <laughs> I, 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 I can leave early I, today. So you leave yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about demoing this stuff because I feel like I've got some good backup here uh, with people that are going to help me out if you know if I run any snags or anything like that, or or just to explain stuff in more detail should be pretty cool. Um, so oh, be and you guys, Justin said that I could be in charge of the YouTube chat since he's going to be busy showing us awesome stuff. So if you have any questions, be afraid, be very afraid. It's going to be so fun in the chat. All right. Well, well, we got it. We got an hour, so let's uh, let's go for it and see how how we can do. Uh, first thing I want to do is I'm going to share my screen here. I'm going to just kind of bring up uh, our documentation on NX and kind of talk about what it is and what problems it's solving and what it what it provides and that sort of thing. Just a higher level kind of overview of what NX is, right? So let's see. Share. OK. Present to everyone. All right, is that good, everybody? We're good? Yeah, yeah? Yeah. All right, All right so NX is a Narwhal extensions for Angular uh, provided by the Narwhal team. It's an open source project. Really is geared, it's built upon the Angular CLI. It's an enhancement to the Angular CLI. And it's geared towards solving uh, several things, right? And kind of our core values of what it's trying to do is uh, targeting productivity, consistency, and safety. Uh, productivity is really about uh, making it more efficient for repeating, doing these things that you normally do in terms of building. Uh, and I should step back really quick to talk about the fact that it's it's really bringing this mono repo approach to uh, an application suite, right? So you can have this idea of a single workspace, a single repository that contains multiple applications, libraries that support that application, other type of things and toolings all around that in one single repository, right? 
the Angular CLI provides us the ability to do that, um, but it's geared more towards kind of like a single app or, or an app and live out the box. And X is really trying to take and, and apply on top of that and provide all this additional tooling and consistency and things on top of that to make that workflow possible. Because one of the challenges with a, a mono repo is it requires a lot of tooling and, and, and additional work in order to kind of balance all of that code, make all that happen, make all that um, you know uh, work within that that system. So it actually focuses on these three things, productivity, consistency, and safety, and productivity being uh, the tooling around uh, making these tasks that you do more efficient, you know, creating new applications, creating new libraries, um, repeat creation of that code, uh, configuration of that stuff, uh, these tasks that we run, uh, helping out in any way that it can to automate those sort of things or take that out of the, the developer's hands to, to make that more efficient, right? Uh, Consistency is providing this way that that um, having this kind of intelligence, application intelligence, or, or repository intelligence that you know, like this is built in a certain way, in a certain fashion. You can kind of identify patterns and, and ideal uses for you know this library should be um, consumed and, and used in this manner, right? We can identify and say, okay, it's not used in that manner. That's warn people about it, let let the devs know, yeah, you know that wasn't what it was intended, that sort of thing. Um, so to help kind of that, that, uh, uh, implementing kind of patterns and practices for your team and teams, right. As we get into a monorepo and one of the things is it's kind of geared a lot towards enterprise Angular application and, and large teams, um, but it kind of works across the board, but the idea being that, Hey, you can, you can provide this consistency for your different teams that work on different segments of your code, uh, across the entire monorepo, right. A question from the yep. chat, um, since you're talking about the per, the pros side of using monorepos, what would be some of the disadvantages of using a monorepo? Okay, so let me let me cover the safety part real quick, and then I'll come back to that, okay? Um, so then the safety is is really around um, making sure that that uh, not only that, that your code is used in the intended manner, like like you mentioned, but other things like where is there places where we know that people can get into trouble with uh, writing code, like race conditions and things like that, and how can we provide helper libraries or, or helper chunks of code? Like an example is within NGRX for your state management and loading data. Are you doing like a pessimist or saving data? Are you doing a pessimistic or optimistic update? Uh, we have some helper code that kind of encapsulates that workflow, and then you can just leverage that and, and use that and know that you kind of have this, um, those conditions, those race conditions kind of covered if you, if you go along these patterns um, without having to rewrite that code each time, right? So it's bundled with, with some of that stuff as well. Um, so in terms of, of benefits and, and drawbacks to the monorepo, right? Um, you know, the benefits being that, that you have all of your code you know, in, in one spot, you have things like uh, third-party libraries that you depend upon. Uh, you have this consistency of they all have a single version of those across all of your applications, across all of your libraries, right? Um, whatever version of RxJS they're using, all of your code base is using the same version. You bump that up, um, everybody's in line with that. You know, that's a, that's a, a positive. Um, it also potentially could be a, a, a challenge. Um, in some cases, if if you maybe depend upon a third-party library as part of your code that you're using, that depends upon a, another thing. I mean, potentially it could run into things like that. But ideally, it, you know, you, it helps to have that you know single version across that that platform. 
um, from not only you know the, the consistency of your code working together, but also when you talk about deployments and, and the bundle size and, and you know scenarios where you have app A and app B and they're both using the same underlying you know uh, third party libs versus different ones, that sort of thing. You don't have collisions and stuff like that. Um, but you also run into some challenges right with monorepo in terms of segmenting access to your different code base, right? Now these are things that can be solved within a monorepo. Uh, but they involve more tooling. And that's, that's I, I think, a common theme. And that, again, that's why NX, one of the reasons why NX exists is to provide this tooling to help you efficiently, you know, live within this monorepo world because it kind of needs these these pieces, right? But say you had multiple repos for your, your code base, you know, it, it's pretty easy out of the box in that scenario to, you know, lock out uh, certain teams to one repo and give them access to another one so that you can, you know, that different code base, whereas in monorepo, you have to go through more steps to kind of pull that off. Does that answer that question? Feel good about that, Mike? Yeah, I was I was just the messenger. I was reading the question. So was, Bonnie was reading the YouTube chat. She posted in the Hangout chat, and I read it. So I'm like second cousin twice removed on that question. <laughs> but yes. That was I, actually I, Sawat's I like question. That was a very good question. And we have another question. Uh, from Dark Magician, and it would be a great question for Austin McDaniel, who's not here because he's a slacker. I know. I was like, where is that man? Where is he? Yeah. <laughs> They're asking about NGXS, Austin. What are you doing? Do you know off the top of your head, Justin, if you can use NGXS with NX for the uh, chat questions? Yeah, I mean, you can. It's it's You can use what it, really kind of whatever you want. I mean, if it works within an Angular CLI workspace, you, you're doing the same thing, right? So it's not a problem. Um, NX provides um, some NGRX code, some uh, code generators and stuff like that to work with NGRX. There's nothing provided out of the box right now for NGXS, um, but there's nothing that stops you from using it within that system, right? Um, yep. All right, Jason, show us the code. Anything else you want to add to that description, Jason, before we move on? Or anybody else? Yeah, I would just like to elaborate that. It's mostly about the tools that you get. Um, having all your code in one place lets you focus on your tooling because you don't have to replicate all that improvements across multiple different repos. So you have one focus point, and you can update the tooling as much as you want, and it affects everything. Cool. OK. I'm going to switch to some code. So I'm going to start I am going to. You're so impatient, Bonnie. <laughs> I'm so excited. Like, why haven't you showed us the code yet? Justin? I want to see the code. <laughs> uh, all right. Present to everyone. OK. Everybody see my VS code? You have a typo. <laughs> Have a typo. All right. This is how this is going to go, huh? Okay. All right. So the first thing we're going to do is we are going to create a new NX workspace. And the current recommended way to do that is to uh, leverage this binary that's provided by the at narwhal slash schematics uh, scope package that's called create-nx-workspace. What it's going to do is it's going to, you can run this command and it'll basically scaffold out using the ng-new command under the hood, uh, passing in the collection of at narwhal slash schematics, 
uh, and then providing you the opportunity to do any other options or anything that that the uh, new Annex workspace command allows you to do. Uh, and it basically will sandbox kind of pulling down the Angular CLI, all the other bits that are needed in order to kind of get up and, and going. It's kind of the fastest way to do it. Uh, you simply need uh, at nrwl slash schematics installed globally, um, which I already have, but I'll show you, you know, it's npm, i for install, dash t, at nrwl slash schematics. Okay, hold on. Can you stop on that one for a second before you hit enter? Because most of us, I mean, everyone knows, right? Because Narwhal's been around for a while, but just in case you haven't heard of Narwhal, I don't know where you've been for the last couple of years, it's nrwl, because you said that really fast. And, I, and sometimes I still want to like throw in a random H because I just feel like I should. So <laughs> I just wanted you to stop there for a minute. Okay, so keep going. Yeah, so <laughs> as Jeff uh, Cross likes to say, they were all out of vowels when we grabbed they were the, the all name. Out so of we just vowels. Had to go with NRWL, right? <laughs> so. And James Cleary has a really good question. Uh, I know if we keep asking you questions, you're probably not going to get too far into this, but it's a really good question. But I think you're going to cover this in a minute. Uh, does NX offer any tooling for publishing libs to NPM as part of the build? Or is it something devs have to manually configure via package.json? But that's like later on down, because you're going to talk about libs, right? Yeah, why don't Will we you? come back to that later on? Yeah. You got to wait, James Cleary. OK. So. Uh, you need to have this installed globally, right? And then you're probably going to want the Angular CLI installed globally as well. Uh, you don't need it with the binary that we're going to run, but um, you know you can do this all in one command here. If you don't have the Angular CLI installed, you could do that and run them and, and install them both globally. Like I mentioned, I've had those both installed globally already, so I don't need to run that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to run create NX workspace. And, and you said this is a binary that we're using? Correct. The uh, at nrwl slash schematics comes with this uh, binary script that provides the command create dash nx dash workspace that we could run from the terminal or the command line at any point, and uh, it'll it'll do this creation for us, right? So for scrubbly nublets like myself, binaries are just scripts that are ran in the terminal. So it don't. I would say. Or I'm not positive, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Justin and Jason. But as you're installing it globally, it makes it adds it to your path so that you can execute it globally, execute it anywhere, just like the CLI adds the ng binary. So it's not technically a binary like it's compile code. It's just giving you access as it's basically making it executable. Oh, okay, okay. So we're creating executable node script that gets added as a global command. Oh, look how concise, Jason. You're amazing. It just for the record, Lisa, I did not know that either. So that was a really good question. I know I know the word binary, but I didn't know it in that context. So good on you, Alyssa. Isn't it but great when you have a support group? I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. You can't nobody you can't do Wait, this stuff alone, man. This isn't a podcast, it's a support group. Support group. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're creating a workspace. Are we giving it a name or are you just pressing enter? Yeah, I'm gonna give it a name and I'm gonna do one more than that, okay? Um, so I'm going to give it a name. I'm going to give it Angular Air Dash Platform. And I assume if we did underscores, it would like be like Kirk. Uh, you'd have to ask Mike that because what this is doing under the hood is going to call ng new, handing it Angular Air Dash Platform as the name of the the thing we want to use. Um, I don't know. <laughs> okay. So I think it does have to be a dash though, but. Don't quote me on it. Try whatever you want. 
get yelled at once upon once in a while. Oh yeah, he will get yelled at. So let's okay, not. Uh, so this is going to run. Uh, it's going to create that. It's going to create a directory called Angular dash platform, and it's going to set up the the um, NX workspace. Basically, it's going to use ng-new from the Angular CLI, yet it's going to configure the folder structure and some things a little bit different based on uh, the style for NX. It's also not going to create an initial app. The Angular CLI, when you do ng-new, will create an initial application for you. This is not. Uh, you'll have to add those uh, in addition. But the other thing that it'll do is it's going to use this name right here as an NPM scope within that workspace to allow you to do these shorthand imports for libs that you create throughout your uh, NX workspace. So if we had a lib called uh, common UI, in this scenario, we would be able to do at angular air dash platform slash common dash UI as our import path, um, rather than like a full, you know, uh, relative path import. And, and that makes it really nice, uh, but it also allows us to do type of, um, uh, make kind of like public APIs. You can utilize this barrel file. We, we'll get into that. We'll show that. Uh, that allows you to, you know, have stuff in your libraries that you say that, that this lib, you know, these things are exported, so they're public. They could be used by other libs and apps. These things are private. They're not flowing through that that gateway type of that that barrel, you know, access point. Um, so just this command right here will create that uh, folder as well as the npm scope with that same name. Now, if I don't like that as my NPM scope, I can give it a um, dash dash NPM scope option and set that equal to whatever I want, right? So in this case, I want to do ng air and I want to use that as my scope. So I can do at ng air slash lib or, or whatever, right? So this is saying I'm going to create a directory called angular dash platform, put all the code in it, um, configure it with this NPM scope of ng air, okay? I'm across the fingers. So while this runs, just to kind of explain in other words, if anyone didn't get it the first time, this is an NPM scope as if you were to publish things to NPM. Um, the libraries that NX generates are meant to be almost node module-esque, but their source code is inside your repository. So the NPM scope is what you would usually see if you publish under a scope in NPM. And uh, Alyssa and Mike and I were just having a chat over off on the side because Alyssa and I did not know what a barrel file was. And Mike told us it's the index file, which seems so silly, but I didn't know that word. Stop telling people how dumb I am, Bonnie. <laughs> no, I didn't know either. It's, all it's right. simple. We're going to show that. We'll cover that. We'll show that. <laughs> okay, okay, good. Okay, almost done here. Okay, so, oh, by the way, um, I'm using VS Code here, right? I decided to use VS Code for my terminal to go install this, to, to set this. Uh, install this packet or create NX workspace, right? Um, and I'm presenting just this code window. So as, as a presenter, here's some, a little presenter tip, right? Uh, I'm sharing just this application, VS Code. Um, I'm utilizing its terminal. And now I'm ready to open up this project in here. So I'm going to just do a real quick uh, uh, command K to clear my terminal here. And I'm like, OK, I've got VS Code open, but I don't have this workspace open. Let's open this thing up. So I'm going to do code space, and I can run code at the terminal. Maybe you're familiar with that to open up. I could do like code period, space period, and that would open up the current working directory in VS Code. Um, I'm going to do, I have this new directory called uh, Angular Air Platform, right? Um, now, 
I believe this, when I run this from the terminal, it's going to open up a brand new window of VS Code, which is not going to be great for my presentation because then I'd have to stop sharing this one and do the other one. I can do dash uh, R for reuse. And I believe it should open that up in this window. Boom. That was very oh, nice. slick. So, you know, you could kind of like live in VS Code from your start with the terminal, add, create new projects, and then stay in there to open it up. So I don't know. But the explanation site. took just as long. <laughs> no, but that was a good explanation. It, hey, it absolutely is. Of, it really is. I, I hate to keep asking questions because I want you to get as far as you can. But uh, there are so many questions because uh, Purawit on the YouTube chat wants to know where you got that font. And I was actually wondering that, too. So I like that uh, question. Because look at the F. That's different. I don't hear him talking. I know what happened. We broke Justin. No, I'm I'm looking it up. Um, <laughs> I was like, forever alone. Is, is Dank Mono. <laughs> so there you go. I I was on the fence of of getting it and using it because of that F, because the F's like, wow, it's it's it hangs low. But I like it. It's pretty cool. So I'm rolling. It's unique. I like it too. Yeah. Dank. Now Mono. I want it. And now I have to have it because I want to be just like Justin. All right. Okay. <laughs> So, okay, and so by the way, I'll keep going. If anybody else can answer any of these questions, feel free to jump in and answer them while, while I'm doing this. So, sound good? That sounds good. I, you can keep going, but in all fairness, we've been the ones asking the questions. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> all right, so I've got my uh, I've got my NX workspace set up, right? Uh, I've got this apps, these apps and libs directories that it created. That's gonna be the home for uh, applications, the home for libs libraries that we create. Notice that there's none in there right now. This is a little bit different than a default Angular CLI project, right? Or workspace. Are we calling them workspaces now, Mike? Or that's workspace. Okay, so it's a little bit different. And Go ahead. The, the documentation for the CLI is also being updated, um, and a workspace is basically a collection or a grouping of projects, where a project can is by definition either an application or a library. Cool. And so we'll get into that as well as we start adding these things here, right? Um, essentially, these apps and libs, kind of just what Mike was saying, uh, they're projects within the Angular CLI. And we'll see that how that unfolds in this Angular.json file as we add these things in here. But NX basically groups these things in these different, these two directories, apps and libs, right? Okay. So the first thing we're going to do here is we're going to add two new applications. So we're talking the Angular Air platform. We need a new website desperately. Uh, and we're going to create a new admin app that we can allow us to kind of manage the, the data on the back end, right? So I'm going to use the um, ng generate command. We're going to do g for generate, uh, short, short for generate. And we're going to use the app schematic. Now, I believe the Angular CLI now has an app schematic. Is that correct, Mike? Uh, yes, I know it's application. I'm not sure if it's aliased out to app or not, but yes, you can generate applications with the CLI out of the box, not uh, excluding NX. Right, okay. So it may be that with NX, we're providing the, the shorthand of app as well, um, but it's basically kind of could do the same thing. It's gonna create a new application. Uh, it's going to put that in the apps directory. Uh, it's also gonna do some additional wiring up that adds some additional functionality that NX will know about in order to help that out as well. So we're going to run this. We're going to do ng-generate app. We're going to give it the name of the app. We're going to do website. 
And we're going to provide an uh, option flag called routing, dash dash routing, because this application, we want to have it have routing right out of the box, so have a router outlet, that sort of thing. Um, the Angular CLI provides this option, I believe. Uh, and so we're able to kind of leverage that and, and get that. So it we does. Have a web website app with routing. Uh, so that's, let's do a dash D real quick, short for dry run. Uh, so we can just confirm really quick that everything's, uh, all of our ducks are in order. D for ducks or D for dry run, whatever you want to, however you want to remember it. So we can kind of see that. ducks. <laughs> so we can see that our ducks are in order, right? We got, it's going to create this directory inside of the app. It's going to actually create two directories inside of the apps directory. One called website, the name we gave it. One called website-e2e. That's going to be our end-to-end -end test. So it's actually a little bit different. It's creating two um, folders in that application and, and two essentially projects, an end-to-end -end project as well as the actual app that we're creating. And then it's going to create a lot of the common, the same sort of stuff that an Angular CLI application or, or uh, project would have inside of it, the same kind of files um, with a few differences, a um, few additions. So that looks good. I'm going to go ahead and run that again without the dash B. And the other thing that uh, NX is going to do each time uh, that we run these schematics is it runs uh, the format command that NX provides. NX provides this uh, format command that we can run that will uh, use prettier under the hood to auto format uh, our code within our workspace. And so each time we run a, um, a schematic, we'll see that the format command was run. And we usually end up seeing some stuff that, that gets changed a little bit around from the default schematic that the Angular seal, some of the stuff that, that it provides will get tweaked just a little bit with the formatting. Um, but that's that output here. Okay, so I'm going to clear and command K just to kind of give us some clean room here. I'm going to run a, the same thing again and I'm going to create admin. So to give a little bit of background, um, each app is like a deployable thing. So the reason why we want to separate app for admin is that this is going to be a separate kind of part of the site that's not going to be a part of the main website. But the code is all in this one monorepo. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. So the idea here is that, you know, like let's say in this case, we're going to have actual like maybe two different destination URLs, one for the website, angular.com, one for the admin, which I'll share with you if you're an admin, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, two running, but we want to share, you know, code across those two applications during our development process. You know, we're going to have common UI that's, that's shared between the two. Um, how do we get those into those two different applications? And within this mono repo, it becomes really, you know, straightforward uh, and, and a little bit more efficient to be able to just do these import statements and bring them in rather than like, like rebuild a, a redistribute a library, npm install it, that whole thing. So um, some of those benefits there, right? Okay, so we've got our two apps created. Uh, each of those come with an, an E2E as well, right? Um, the structure of these files are real similar to what you'd see with an Angular CLI application in terms of the, the patterns and practices of how it names things and structures things, that sort of thing. Uh, we can see if we go into our app module, it's set up with the router module. Uh, we can go into our app component. We've got this router outlet. You know, we kind of got everything kind of ready to go for these applications. Um, 
I'm going to do a quick commit. I'm going to say add apps. And that in there, and I'll go back to the code so I can kind of have a marker there in case anything goes bad with any of these steps. I can kind of stop and, and roll back. Um, okay, so now let's add uh, some libs. Woohoo! Has any questions or anything going on right now? We're pretty excited about those libs. Okay. All right, so let's make this a little bigger here. Clear this out. Okay, so we've got our two apps. Now, apps, uh, they're really designed to be this uh, build point, this entry point, and the configuration, right? And then everything else, it recommend, recommended way in, in NX, everything else should be built inside of libs, right? So all the stuff that powers these apps, all the UI, all that stuff, you build these out in, in libs. And the, the stuff that sits within these apps is really just for this initial configuration and, and, and build definition for the, the core startup of the app. And this is kind of similar to if you think about like if, if you're in if you're building a single Angular application and you make feature folders within it, you know you go through the Angular style guide and you follow that same process and you make feature folders for you know routed modules or whatnot. You kind of start building out this tree underneath your app directory for all of your components and all that stuff that that powers your app, right? Well, you kind of can think of this as just taking all that folder structure and just organizing that in the libs folder now instead of directly in your app folder. Um, and that's kind of where we're going here, right? And then it opens the door for all this additional stuff that you can do, this knowledge about how you try to intend to use these libs, how you bring them in, how you share them across other apps, that sort of thing. So um, not too much different from, from what you're already used to, just in a different location that enables the ability to do a lot of other stuff. And again, at the heart of it, this is simply uh, an enhanced, you know, version of an Angular CLI workspace, right? At the end of the day, you're still dealing with an Angular CLI workspace, um, configuration set up to point to different ways, tooling set up to enhance that experience, right? Um, but the buy-in is not something that, you know, is too heavy in terms of, oh, well, now am I locked into something NXE or, you know, something that sort of thing. No, you're still an Angular CLI project, you still have ways to kind of control all of that sort of thing. Um, that makes sense. Okay, so our uh, website app, we're going to have a home route that's basically the, the main screen of, of the application. And then we're going to have an episode route that we want to do lazy loaded that's going to be the details for a single episode, right, that we could drill into. And then our admin app, we're going to have a dashboard route that's going to be the home route, the main route. Right, and then we're going to have a episodes uh, route destination and a people route destination that will both be lazy loaded. So let's set up some libs that represent those different um, routed views. Right. So first thing I'm going to do is ng generate a lib uh, using the lib schematic, and I do uh, name this home, and I am going to set up a few different options here. Okay, I'm going to uh, say that it's going to have routing, dash dash routing. Uh, I'm going to say that the dash dash parent dash module is going to be, and I'm going to give it a path to what this, where this parent module is. So basically what I'm telling it is I'm going to say, this lib is going to be a routed lib. I want you to set up routing in it. Uh, I want you to, um, add it as a route to this parent module, right? So we've got this apps slash 
website slash source slash app slash app dot module dot ts. Okay. So I can bring this over here a little bit. So we're saying set up routing and target this parent module, add this thing to the parent module at apps website source app app module. Do a dash D for dry run, see what it's going to do. Now, right now, I think that the output here from the dry run is going to show a little bit extra things that is not actually going to get created. It's not going to, I think, Jason, you remind me, there's a scenario where some of the stuff is, is extra. In this case, it might be right. This is a little bit extra. Um, you're not actually going to get a component or a service, but most of the other things will be created. Um, this is kind of just a kind of a fluke in how we're doing our schematics, but your actual files won't be created. That's because schematics is all deterministic. Okay, so we're going to run this one and create a new lib called home. Um, actually, I'm going to do one other thing here. I want to. Uh, organize this within a subdirectory within libs because this home uh, module, this, this router module essentially is going to be for our website application. So I'm going to do dash dash directory equals website so that I can say, okay, in the libs directory, create a nested directory called website, put this new lib inside of that. So I can kind of have some mental model of where these things live, right? Okay. Uh, and let's do dash e real quick to see that it creates our directory nested here compared to this other one. So see, now we can see libs slash website slash home, right? So we'll go ahead and run that. Justin, while that's running, uh, there was a question in the chat and I'm stealing Bonnie's job here real quick. Um, when you create a new NX workspace, do you get any default projects out of the box or do you, or is that on you after you've created that? on you you don't get anything the apps and the libs are empty when you create a new nx workspace okay thank you for clarifying yep you'll get what you get and you'll like it which is an empty file <laughs> <laughs> you get what you get but then you can add whatever you want on top of that such a positive jason like you get plain ice cream and then they'll give you all the sprinkles you ever wanted Okay, that's a good point. Vanilla ice cream with sprinkles is hard to beat. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna ice cream. Okay, so now I'm going to add the um, dashboard module for the admin app. Same sort of deal, right? It's, it's going to be this initial, this uh, route that we want to go to. We're not going to lazy load. It's going to be like the first route that, that the thing hits. Um, but we want to create all the UI and everything for that within this library. For this lib. So we do app module ts, we're gonna do dash dash directory. And this one is going to be admin for our admin application dash d, just to check real quick. Okay, we'll run that. And then we'll take a look here at, at what it created with the file structure. We'll see what it did for the routing. We'll make a quick couple tweaks uh, to it. So we'll jump in here. Uh, we can see in our libs directory over here on the left that we've got an admin directory now nested, right? And we got this dashboard lib that it created. Uh, it created a source uh, folder for that. 
created this index.ts file in here. Uh, hopefully we'll touch about on that here a little bit later as we talk about the barrel stuff and public access. It creates a lib directory with the code uh, for that. Created our module, like uh, Jason had mentioned, it, it, the output that it was gonna create a component and a service, but it doesn't actually, just creates the, the module for you, the starting point for you, right? Uh, we got the same thing for website. We created this home lib, so it's got the same sort of structure, uh, that sort of thing. And then uh, if we go into our website up here, go to our source app, app module TS, uh, we can see that we've got this, uh, added this path for uh, website-home, for the website home routes, um, bringing in that, that routing from our... Uh, website home lib that we created, right? Uh, so this is going to auto wire up that application for us that we targeted with that parent module to get the routing all set up, right? Now we can come into our website home routes and we could configure the routing from there as need be, right? So kind of you know what I love about this, which is kind of what I love about NX just overall, that it sets up the structure for you because if you go back to that last file you were in, the first time I ever did that, like I, I, you know, when I was first learning the routes and stuff, I kind of had struggled with that syntax, right? And it's not terribly complicated unless you don't know exactly, like if you miss one thing or if you put the children in uh, quotes, it's not going to work, right? So once you have that, it's just so much easier. It's, it, that's what I love. It's one of the things I love about it, but it's just really nice. Well, if you love that, wait till we get to the lazy part, right? Because then it gets even even better, right? Less stuff that you have to do. Again, this is this, you know, productivity and consistency thing, right? I kind of take that out of these things that, that, that the software can know about, the tooling can know about, take that out of our hands, allow it to do us, it for us, allow us to rapidly build, iterate, implement, uh, as well as do it in a consistent manner, right? That, that we don't have to act, especially when it comes to the lazy routes and we're dealing with the string notation, right? For where that lazy that route is, it's really easy to forget that pattern. This will kind of take that out of our hands, right? And it's nice because it's so, it's very opinionated. So it's like gonna have, it's gonna be very specific about the way it wants, the, the way it wants this done. But, um, but it's Victor Savkin's way. So, and he's really good at this. <laughs> so it's okay, just do it. And, and I would say it's opinionated based on, you know, it, it following kind of the angular style guide, following the patterns that are already there. A lot of the stuff that you're, you're already used to with the addition of stuff that, um, Narwhal has learned that, uh, is needed for, you know, teams to build angular at scale and be efficient at this stuff. So it's a mix of those two, right? Because it's not like it's just Victor and Jeff in the back room, like figuring out how to do this because they do all this consulting in enterprise. So they go into all these teams and find, things that are happening a lot, things that different people are trying to implement. And sometimes the same mistakes that you see over and over again in different companies. And then this just kind of solves all that and takes all those different experiences that they've seen all over the, uh, the enterprise companies and then put it all into the solution. That's genius. Sorry, Justin, go ahead. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. Okay. So we've got our kind of a uh, regular loader routes that we're going to have for, for those components, right? Let's add uh, some libs that are going to be lazy loaded. So we're going to ng generate lib. Uh, let's call this one episode. And this is going this to This is my be, favorite part. This is going to be for uh, the for an episode details for the website. So imagine the website. We've got our, our home screen that's going to list out all of the 
the episodes upcoming and, and existing. And if you click on one, it's going to navigate to the details for that specific episode, right? Give you all the, the bits about that, uh, maybe even embedded player and all that stuff. And so this is going to be that episode route, right? And we want to do that lazy loaded because people may come to our homepage. They may never click on an episode tiers. That would be sad, but hopefully they will. But if they didn't, then they don't get this code until you know they demand it, right? They request it. So now we're gonna, we want to lazy load it. Um, so we are going to do dash dash routing. We're going to do dash dash parent dash module equals apps slash website, right? Or slash app slash. You know, one of the things I'd hope for, maybe we'll be able to do this, is, is ability to like tell it the project name, you know, like project name website and have it resolve this parent module for us. We don't have to type this out each time. Uh, you know, again, though, it's, it's open source, right? And X is open source. So maybe somebody wants to get adventurous and make PR that helps us out or whatnot for that. That would be cool. But uh, it is a little bit, you know, a lot of verbose for typing this parent module path out there, right? But I uh, got that. Now, the other thing we're going to do is going to do dash dash lazy. And that's going to tell this module, this routing module is actually a lazy loader route that we intend that to do. So it's going to know how to create that uh, setup under the hood. Again, this is for our uh, website application. So let's stuff that in the directory website under libs. And we'll do dash D just to make sure we got everything. Okay. And let's roll the dice. So you've been using dash D a bunch. And yeah. I want to run an idea about a potential feature with dash D. Do you think it would be helpful if you could spe specify dash D in some sort of verbose way where not only would you see just the list of files, but potentially the different changes to those files? Um, I would not complain about that. That would be, especially when you talk about like, okay, what did it do to my to my app.module file, right? That'd, yes. that'd be pretty cool, but that'd be pretty verbose, right? Um, Potentially, but maybe because um, I've, I've, I've given some this some decent thought, but maybe also have some sort of glob or regex at the end as an option to be able to specify, hey, only show me the verboseness of this particular subset. I think it's a great idea. I I agree. I think any additional options are are always great. You know, um, I'm more than happy to have more information. That'd be awesome. Okay, okay what's the shortcut for uh, formatting code in VS Code? Command Shift P format document. <laughs> are you actually just like? No, what's not right? the shortcut to find the shortcut? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, so it's Alt Shift, Shift F. Is that Alt? I always forget what that is. That middle one. And that's Option. Shift Option. It's rubbed off now, but I actually uh, drew with Sharpie those symbols on my keyboard, like the you know the nice. external keyboard, because I could not for the life. I'm like, I don't know what that foreign symbol is. <laughs> that is a great idea. I need to do that. I got a Windows keyboard that I use because I switch. Oh, okay. Hey, Justin, why don't we show them the command line version of it? Wait, the command line version of what? Yeah, that's a good, great call. Okay, let me just uh, go back here and 
plop this back. Okay, so I'm gonna, um, what Jason's referring to is we have this format command, NX provides this format command. So I can run npm run format, and it will look through all the files. Uh, I will apply this prettier formatting. And let's see, cool. Now it's a little bit easier to read, right? I'm so confused on why we don't have to like prefix the commands with anything in XC. Like it's not like, like with like ng, right? Like I'm like yeah. ng new or like ng update, but like with the, I don't. Hmm. Great. But it is doing that under the hood. Um, Justin, if you would pop into the package.json, we have written all of these scripts for you. So if you go down to format, you'll see that it goes into node modules and gets NX. And then it runs the NX format write command. So you could do that as well. Oh, you could do that too? You could be like NX format write? Really? Yeah. Oh, yep. cool. Everything makes sense now. I love it. <laughs> so this part down here, npm space run space, is going to allow you to run any of these scripts in the package JSON file by their name, right? And those scripts are not binaries, right? Like we're we're not getting that. Well, so like this format one is saying use, you know, run this NX um, node script that Jason mentioned earlier at uh, the very beginning that's located in node modules.bin uh, slash NX, run that, and then pass it the command format colon write, right? So that's essentially what it's doing. So it's, it's taking this whole command, which you could run by typing that out at the terminal, and just shorthanding that into this, you know, when you when you call npm run and then this name format, it'll run that command. Okay, cool. And this is a sneak peek of all the tooling that NX provides you on top of your code to make sure that you're safe and you're productive and all those things that are core values of NX. Yep, absolutely. So that's the, like you mentioned that tooling that that NX provides you. Um, these are all these helper scripts set up to help make it easier to run those commands. Okay, so now if we go back to our app module, we can take a look at this thing. We can see that it has the the routes that we the route that we added before, right, from the regular route, and then it has our lazy loaded route, and uh, we can see that by the load children property, right? And then we've got this magnificent string that we didn't have to type out or remember the pattern. And we've got some other magic that's going on here as well. You notice that we've got this scope, right? This at ngair slash website slash episode, and then the name of the module there. And you might be thinking, well, what the, this is kind of different from, isn't this supposed to be like a path, a relative path, or how does that work? Um, let's dive in real quick and explain that. So each time we create a lib, the tsconfig.json file gets updated its compiler options property, um, path, compiler options paths property to add these additional paths that it can help resolve for these imports and that sort of thing, right? So we've added our home lib, we added a dashboard lib, and we just added the episode lib. So each time we added those, this new entry gets created from that schematic inside of here that says, hey, if, if anybody's requesting the path at ngair slash website slash episode, resolve it to this path, which is that index.ts file that lives within that libs directory, libs website episode, which is the barrel file that provides us the public 
access to the code that we want to expose outside of that lib to allow other libs to be able to use it. Okay. So if we go to this file, let's go there. Website, episode, source, index. We can, I'll leave this open over here. We can see that by default, it is exporting everything from the lib website episode module file, which is inside of this lib directory website episode module. And so the idea being that we created an ng module for that lib, we auto export it out, uh, flow it out through this index.ts file, then other libs, apps that want to consume it can import from at ng air slash website slash episode. It'll resolve to there. It'll, it'll allow you to bring that in. And we can see that, I believe, in action here with our website home routes. Um, that is exported as well. We can actually take a look real quick at that. We go to website, home, source, index. We can see it exports from the home module. We can see the home module exports the website home routes, right? So that's how it flows out through that index TS, through that public API. And then when we see here in this app module, when we import it in, we're requesting this path, right? This shorthand path, which if we go back to the tsconfig.json file, we see the entry for that short path resolves to that index.ts file. So that's how everything kind of gets glued together, makes that short pathing available to us throughout, um, as well as allows it to say like, this is the path in to export to get things out of those libs. If you try and deep link into any of those in anything else beyond that, uh, we can have the linting rules expose an error so that you can be safe that that you're not, you know, people are not using your code as not intended. That's kind of a double negative, but maybe you get what I mean. <laughs> so if I look in the TS lint config, I can go down here. Um, we've got this new entry NX enforce module boundaries that NX adds. Um, it's the rule that is going to say, look, you, if, if you try to import stuff beyond what that barrel file provides, we're going to lint error. I believe it'll transpile error as well, and it'll keep us from, you know, doing that sort of thing. Does that make sense? Anything anybody wants to add on that or questions on that? Well, this allows you to be safe with how you develop, um, like having a public API for your lib allows you to share your code without sharing all of your code. So you don't have to share the nitty gritty. You just have to share the nice shiny interface for other people to use and keep it simple for other people. So you don't want people to reach inside any deeper. And that's what our lint rules help you do. And that's the general gist of what the lint rules help. And it, one of the ways I like to think about this and explain this too is the fact that you're in a mono repo, right? So you've got all of your code base in there. So let's say I'm tasked with building a service to power this component. And the component is something that's used by other apps within the system, right? But the service I'm writing is designed just to be for that component. It's not, I, I don't want that service to be imported elsewhere. I don't want people to call methods off of that service. I want this component to call it. It's really just for that component, right? Um, with these boundaries, I can make sure that that's not exported. So if anybody on other teams tries to import and use that service, they'll get this error warning, right? It'll stop them from saying, hey, that, that's not the, that service is not export, uh, exposed, so you're trying to use it in a wrong manner. 
Um, without that check, it becomes very easy for somebody to potentially bring in that service, you know, find that that's available, start using it. And, it, and it, that wasn't intended, right? You could get multiple instances of the service, you know, state issues and all that stuff. And so it, it provides this way for you as developer. It's kind of like saying like public and private on your methods or, or property fields, that sort of thing. It provides that opportunity to do that across code files, which is really cool, I think. <laughs> I think, I think so too. I've used um, a similar example. It's basically enforceable boundaries. Like people have asked me, well, should I start up with this big monolith application or should I create microservices? And this is even in server-based code. Uh, the idea of, you can still write this monolith type application or like server side, but you can still have those logical boundaries of a um, microsite architecture, um, but have those boundaries built in via code versus uh, structural. It, it, it's good practice to enforce boundaries and structure within your applications and libraries. Cool. Okay, so let me add these other ones real quick here. We got a, we're gonna do episodes and people for our admin app. They're gonna be lazy uh, routes as well, right? Uh, I think I've got this all correct. Routing. What am I missing? Directory. Ah, thank you. I almost ran it without our ducks in order check. That would not have been good. All right, like that. And then we'll, we'll just do the. Admin episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Speak now forever. Hold your peace. Good. Gonna run it. And then we're going to do the same thing for people real quick here. Uh, people. Okay, let's do our npm run format real quick. Now it runs that, I don't know, it runs it after the spec, after the um, schematic runs. So all the files that have already been added, it, it's been covered. Is that correct, Jason? Like this, I just ran format again, but I kind of didn't have to because the schematic had it already run. Is that correct? Yep, that should be mostly correct. Uh, I don't know why the other file wasn't changed, but. You can pretty much run it as many times as you want. It just won't change anything that's not formatted. Okay, cool. So now we see that you know we created this uh, episodes and people inside of our um, admin app. So we got those routes, the loaded children. Of course, we could come in here and change whatever we want our path to be. Uh, to handle those different scenarios for whatever we want our, you know, our URL structure to be like. Maybe we want this to be episodes and this to be people. Um, it's basically going to use whatever the name of the, the uh, project that it created, the lib project that it created as that value right there. 
So we may do, have to do a little tweaking. I'm also going to tweak this to be this, this empty path so that it's, we basically say, look, the home route for this application is going to go to these admin dashboard route, right? Sort of thing. Of course, we'd need to go in there and add a, a route in there for that component, for a dashboard component, um, scaffolding, that sort of thing. But um, you can kind of see how you can get going with this sort of stuff. Okay. Uh, let's see. Okay, so that's uh, that's add. Kind of getting close on time here. Let's add a couple more things here. Let's let's see. We've got our uh, you know uh, targeted libs that are specific for these different apps, right? We've nested those in these directories. Our admin app has a couple dashboard episodes. People. Our website one has episode at home. Let's see how we can create like a if we want to have this idea of a common core module that we want to share across the apps. Well, we could simply do. Um, and not simply, we can do ng generate lib, um, call this common core. Uh, and I think that's all we're going to do. We're not going to use the directory because we're going to have this at its at the top level libs directory because our idea is that we're going to use it across apps, right? In this scenario, we're going to use it for admin and website. We may use it if another one comes up or that sort of thing. But let's just call it common core and it'll give us a place that we could put um, maybe some common UI components, uh, common services that that power those or, or power the application and kind of stuff all those in there and then consume them from the, the different applications. So we're just going to do dash D real quick, confirm. Okay. Let's just run that. I just want to circle back to like a previous question. Someone asked if you could do publishable libs. Since this command is really short, Justin, if you could just add on dash dash publishable after that uh, to show, and that would generate what the Ingo CLI would generate. And it'll come with an ng packager build and all that stuff to help you distribute your package onto NPM easily, but you'll have to run the NPM publish. So it'd be what you ran before with dash dash publishable. Yeah, for sure. Check this out. Let's say that we wanted to um, build like a YouTube embedded component and maybe a, a podcast audio embedded component that we're going to use in these two apps. And we say, wow, the community could really leverage that as well, right? So instead of like stuffing that in our common core, let's just build a new lib, ngg lib, uh, name it ngx, because that's kind of the thing to do, right? Embedded media. And um, what's the flag? Dash dash publishable, correct? Yep. Publishable, like that. Okay. Like that. Dash D. Okay, so now we're going to do exactly what Jason was saying, right? We're creating a new lib. We're going to name it this NGX Embedded Media. It's going to be the home for these, you know, shared components that we want the world to be able to use as well as us. And we're using the flag publishable to do the um, ability to publish it. And once this is done, we'll take a look at, we'll, we'll dive into this Angular JSON file. We'll take a look at the NX JSON file, um, some additional things and see, and we'll see this uh, ng packager file and kind of everything that it created, right? This is so exciting. Okay. So we're gonna collapse these apps up. We're gonna go to our lib. Now we have this 
right? We have admin, we have website that we had before. Now we've got this common core lib that we created that we're going to share stuff across these two apps. We also have this NGX embedded media folder that we created that lib, right? Um, as Jason mentioned, we've got this ng package file, right? Which is for ng packager. And correct me if I'm wrong, I believe so. Uh, that'll allow us to be able to do this publishing of it, right? This build of it that we can then publish to NPM to redistribute. Precisely. Cool. So with that flag, we've identified that we want this particular library or this lib to have the bits needed inside of it to allow us to um, build and deploy that out to the world, right? And generally, if you're just working on stuff that only your company needs, your team needs, you don't need to make your lib publishable. As you've seen, we're able to import from libs from our apps, right? And that's all we really need. Everything that everything will get compiled at build time just fine. This is for if you're creating something that you'd want to share with people outside your team, outside your company, with the whole community, which you should definitely do, but um, you don't need to do it for everything. That's a really good point. I actually had someone, I was doing like Angular office hours at IO this year and somebody, um, this woman came up and was actually asking about that, like to have like these shared services among their company's apps. And so for something like that, it would want, they'd want it to be a private library, but, but yeah, that's, this has been great. Thank you both for showing us all this awesomeness. I, I want to clarify one thing. So about publishable. Publishable does not necessarily mean that it gets published to NPM. It could be published to some other internal uh, repository, uh, some sort of local organization-wide instance of like some NPM uh, repository. Great point, Mike. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's creating the the scaffolding needed for ng packager, right, to do its its build stuff. But from where you take it from there is up to you. Exactly like you said, right? But it, but he scaffolds the stuff yet that you would need to do that that uh, build process to prep that lib to get it ready to deliver it. You know, build it, bundle it up, and get it ready to go wherever you want to send it. Cool. Okay, so we've got all of these things kind of scaffolded out in here, right? Um, let's take a look real quick at this Angular JSON file and see what it's done and how how that's worked, right? So we've got this uh, Angular CLI file. The, the CLI produces this file, right? It's the structure of the schema based on the Angular CLI setup with Angular CLI 6 and above. We've got this new projects property that allows us to have these different projects. Like Mike had mentioned, it's you know, these applications as well as libraries. They're all different projects. Uh, the Angular uh, the NX schematics, when we do ng-generate app, ng-generate lib, it's going to handle creating these entries inside of this file for us. Uh, we can see we've got the website and the website dash e uh, admin, admin e e and then we also see all of our libs that it created. In this case, we created these in nested directories, so it, it appended that with a dash to the name of that. So we said our lib was called home, but it was in the website directory, so it created one called website dash home for us, um, just a naming convention that the NX schematic uses to do that, because uh, each of these keys had to be unique, right? So we've got admin dashboard, website episode, all that good stuff right here. I'm just going to collapse these here real quick. Um, then I'll expand. And as you can see here, this is the angular.json. This is the same thing you would have for an Angular CLI project. Um, and this extension of using the NX versus using the CLI. You're making a choice to use NX on top of the CLI. 
Yep. And and with that, like this is simply NX is simply configuring the Angular CLI with these pathing, that sort of thing. So really you have an Angular CLI workspace under the hood. That's what you're using. And Accent just knows, okay, we're going to configure some of these pathings and things to point to these other places. Um, it kind of goes back to that that buy-in of like, well, if I decide to use NX, like am I, am I all NX all the time? I mean, it'd be great. You'll get the benefits of that stuff, right? But under the hood, it's, it's like TypeScript. You know, you buy in a TypeScript. TypeScript transpiles to JavaScript. So if you really just wanted to roll JavaScript, um, you could always roll JavaScript at any time. You're, you're, you know, if you bought into TypeScript, so kind of concept, I guess that's maybe a stretch, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, but, but yeah, so it's configured these things for you, right? So it's just put this pathing, right? The index, the main, it just said, look, this, this is in the apps slash directory location, right? Um, whereas the Angular CLI out of the box will have it in a different path. And that, that's kind of the difference there, right? But one of the things we've got within here now, and this is this is a you know we're going to set this up in here. It's not really necessarily an NX thing, but it's a fact that we've got a workspace with multiple applications, Angular applications that we want to serve, right? And how do you do that if you want to serve both applications or multiple applications at once? Uh, well, you can do that because you can specify through the ng serve command the port that you want to use. By default, that's forty two hundred. Um, but if we want to run multiple apps, we need to start changing ports for the different ones locally, right? Awesome thing with Angular CLI and this architect property. Uh, we've got these, these different architect commands that we can run, build, serve, that sort of thing. We can come into the serve one and under the options, add port. And yell at me, Mike, if anything's wrong, but I think we're okay here. Um, and the website one is let's just be specific here. We're saying that we want to use 4200 for that one. And then let's go to our admin one. And under serve options, let's make this 4201, right? Now we can use the, the ng serve command, which takes in a project name, which is the name of these keys, right? to serve these different ones at the same time. We can go in here and g serve uh, website, right? Um, let's add another terminal and g serve admin. Did I add a terminal? That was right? so simple. That's what I love about you, Justin. You make these things look so easy. Now I'm just, the messenger, right? Like I didn't make the code that made it easy. I'm just showing it right now. Before Don't we be used to, modest, <laughs> we can run the command ng serve dash dash port equals and 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 scaffold that. And then we used to you know, go into our um, package.json file in the scripts, maybe make a shorthand that's like serve colon website and do that whole long command. Now we don't need that package.json script anymore. We can simply come into the the architect. Uh, options in there inside of the AngularJSON file and configure that port there, and we're kind of all good to go. Pretty cool. So we can see this one's running on 4201. This one's running on 4200, and it provides us an easy way to kind of now start working productively in this environment, right? And to be clear, um, it doesn't just work for ports. Any of the command line arguments that you pass regularly to serve, build, or what have you, you can place as options within um, each individual section. That's beautiful. 
Hey, see. there's another question in the chat, if you have time. Yeah, we can see here all these options, right, that, that come up from the, the schema uh, that it knows about that we can pass in there, right? Okay, go ahead. Uh, Porowit wants to know if there's any difference between using library from node modules and library from NX in terms of build speed. Um, the library that you're using for node modules is probably already packaged and it'll already be JavaScript. So it'll get imported a little bit differently. It'll probably be faster to build, but that's not really the point of using the NX library. You, um, we're really gonna benefit from having the code and building from source here. And you don't wanna do this all the time, but um, like NX has tooling so that you only build what you need. So you don't need to build say the website episode um, library if you're going to deploy the admin episodes, maybe a bad example, but like it'll detect that you don't need to build back to another. Right. And the other thing you have is, is as you update that library code, right? It's, a, it, it's all within that same workspace. You don't need to rebuild and redistribute out to NPM and then reinstall the latest version, you know, that you bumped in order to capture that code change, right? It's that, that that's one of the challenges if you sit there and decide, okay, I'm going to make all of my, you know, small chunks of, of libs into their own um, packages. And then I'm just going to consume them from whatever apps I want to use them in. Well, you have this workflow of, well, how do you update that package and publish it and, and consume it when you have something like simple, like a, you know, a string change or something in one of them, like how, what's your speed to develop? And it takes a long time to, to deploy that out and, and, and work that pipeline. Plus you have to bump the version, right? Whereas in here internally in this workspace, in this monorepo, you're just consuming the latest version of that build. Um, you don't have to go through that pipeline as well. Cool. Okay. Um, so I want to show some of, our, some of the tooling, some additional tooling here. Let's check about the, the dependency graph uh, stuff that, that NX can surface. Uh, as well as like is affected. I would love to also kind of mention and show some stuff with with using the existing schematics for uh, Angular CLI schematics for generating like components and things like that. Um, we are over time. Does anybody? I don't have a problem staying on, keep them going a little bit. If anybody needs to drop off or a panelist or whatnot, uh, let me know. Uh, we can do that. Or if you want to hang out for a little bit longer, I'll try maybe like fifteen minutes more or something. Sound good? We're not going anywhere. Okay. We don't want to miss any of this. All right, cool. All right. I I just was so much stuff to show just made it impossible. No, I just spoke for all of us and all of our YouTube people too. Nobody's dropping off. We're all yeah, hanging on your every word. Go Justin. All right. All right. Okay, so um let's take a look at the uh dependency graph that we can utilize within NX to get a visualization of our structure of our code. Oh, let me actually before I do that let, let's check a couple other things that, that we've got in here. And actually, specifically, let's talk about the nx.json file and, and what this is. Uh, so this is, I guess I'll leave this open here. This is nx configuration, right? Uh, prior to nx6, um, oh, I didn't mention the latest version of nx right now is nx6.1.1 uh, that's out there. Uh, so with nx6, we version everything to match with the Angular CLI 6. So all these changes to like the project structure and all those things, uh, NX got adapted to fit that, right? To play alongside with Angular CLI 6 and above. Um, as a result of that, one of the things 
that was done was moving any NX specific configuration out of the old .angular.json file and into its own file called nx.json. So now the angular.json file is exactly you know structured the way you know based off the schematic the schema for uh, angular CLI JSON the JSON logic for there and nx has its own home for its configuration. So in here we hey see Justin NX. yep. Mike wants to know, and the other we have a bonus Mike in the chat, and he wants to know if NX has a setup for App Factory config. Is that done in schematics? Do you know, or Jason? I don't know what. What do they? I understand the question. Mike, if you can rephrase that question and shoot it in, and again, we'll try to because I'm not sure exactly what you're asking either. Sorry about that. Let's just say yes. Yes, it does. No. <laughs> Chances are it doesn't because I don't quite understand. It's a yes or no question. We have 50 50 chance. <laughs> I like Sorry, those odds. <laughs> I, I will say that if you're using custom schematics, you can define custom default values for any schematic inside of Angular.json. So the answer is yes. See, I got this. You guys doubted me. Okay, so in yes. this JSON file, we've got this npm scope. If we remember back when we created the NX workspace, we we declared that npm scope as an option, set it to ngair. That's where it kind of knows what what it's using for that value, right? Um, then we've got these other configurations, and we're not going to have time to go into these in detail in, in this episode. But I want to give you a hint at what they are, right? We've got this implicit dependencies as well as this projects property uh, with these tags available, right? Let's talk about the tags really quick first, because uh, they're kind of, I think, the 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 entryway to this. We can provide tag. You can provide tags to each of these individual uh, libs, right? These projects. I'm sorry, these projects, which are apps or libs, um, to kind of declare, label them or tag them. I should say tag them because they're tags. Tag them as intent, right? Um, I want this to be a lazy loader module. I want this to be like. A, um, you want it to be like presentational type components. You want them to, you know, allow NGRX or not that sort of thing. Uh, and then combined uh, with, I think it's in the TS Lint. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jason. Okay. And it, yep. In the TS Lint, combined with there, you can configure the tags along with rules to then enforce these scenarios. Right. That. This, li this lib is only intended to be used as these presentational components and this sort of thing and that sort of thing. And so now you have this ability because NX is aware of the structure of the application, the opinionated structure of your entire workspace. Um, you can now label these things and it can take that, that structure along with this intent to identify this is the way we want to enforce these things. We can let the developers know, let the build system know these things are failing, these things are not being met, and keep that safety throughout your application code. Right? Uh, and so we can do these tags. We can add these tags in here in this file. We can also add these tags when we generate a lib. There's an option to do that as well. So we can pass them in at that point if we already know at the point we create that lib, the intent. Um, and then this implicit dependencies, Jason, do you want to explain this a little bit, or do you want me to? Yeah, I'll take this one. Okay. So implicit dependencies are files or objects that change. Right now, it's files, but in general, it's things that affect your project without being kind of like explicit about it. It's not actually written in the code that says, like, 
hey, you know, I depend on this thing. But if you think about package.json, which is a good example, that package.json determines what node modules are installed, right? That's what package.json does. And then your app, the code says like, okay, go reach for the Angular package that you installed, right? But it doesn't say like, okay, go to the package.json that tells you where to find the Angular thing. It's not explicit like that. It only says that like, you know, you're gonna have this installed and you know that implicitly you've defined what all those things are in package.json. So this way we can read it as whenever the package.json changes, the asterisk means all your projects get affected. And um, in order for us to understand this better, I think it's, it's good if Justin shows the depth graph, but that's the, that's a general gist of implicit dependency. They allow objects to affect projects implicitly. Perfect segue. All right, so let's uh, let's run that depth graph. So let's go back into our uh, package JSON file, and we can take a look and we see that we've got this. Come on, code. Yes, code. All right. Well, we've got this command depth graph, right? Or the script depth graph. So we can run npm run depth graph. Now here's where things get tricky because I'm gonna have to share this other window, right? <laughs> Excuse me. All right, so we'll run this. I am going to need to switch the, the thing that I'm sharing in order for everybody to see this. So give me one second. So while Justin does that, I'll just explain. So Justin's been extremely productive in this one hour and 20 minutes or whatever that he's been coding. And he's created a ton of these, what we'll call projects. And some of the projects depend on one another. And this is a visualization that we can keep track of and say like, oh, I'm adding a dependency. This is what gets affected whenever I change this. So if Justin could translate this into English for us. Yeah, sure. So so what we see now is this, this has generated this image, right? Open it up in a browser for us. Um, as soon as I ran that command, you didn't see that because it was outside of the scope of what I was sharing, but it basically opened up a browser um, displaying this, this uh, layout of the dependency graph of the stuff that we created within our uh, monorepo workspace, right? We see we have this, the admin-e2e, the website-e2e projects. They uh, depend upon the admin app and the website app, right, that we created. And we can see these uh, circles that are libs that we created that we connected in one way or another to these different apps, right? We made this admin dashboard lib. We said we used routing. Uh, we made it just a regular uh, routed module. So that was imported and used right away in our admin app. We can see this solid line here, right? That indicates that it's part of that. Um, you're getting the admin app. You're also getting the admin dashboard at the same time, right? As part of that bundle. Um, admin episodes and admin people, we lazy loaded those. We've got this dash, dash line indicating that those are used by the admin. They're uh, dependencies of it. They're lazy loaded, right? Um, but they're li libs utilized by the admin. Uh, same sort of deal on the website. We see the home, regular route, episode, lazy loader route, right? We also created this common core. We didn't add anything to it yet. We didn't import that module into any of our apps yet. Uh, so we see that it's not uh, used by anything yet. Same thing with the NGX embedded media. We haven't imported that module anywhere. Uh, so it knows that it's not used by any of our applications, right? Anything else you wanna to add to that, Jason? This is great for 
when you're sending PRs, you can let people know the other dependencies you're creating. You can show this to your manager, I don't know, CTO, CEO, if they want to know, right? And like, you don't have to show them the code. You don't have to explain it every time. It's like, come on, guys, like the API affects the front end, right? Um, this will get generated, it's calculated, right? It's done via tooling. And you don't have to maintain this. A lot of enterprises will try and draw this out by themselves using awesome tools and kind of create their own graph. But then the second someone makes a code change that creates another relationship, that gets out of date. So it's better to generate this stuff of tooling and it's great to show kind of, not in terms of code, but in terms of a relationship kind of standpoint, how the projects are really related to one another. Um, the lines also mean that, you know, one of them is dependent. So if I make a change to admin dashboard, we don't want to, we, we want to rebuild the admin app because we see that the admin app depends on the admin dashboard, but we don't want to rebuild the website part of it. So you don't see a connection between website and admin dashboard. Therefore, when we utilize this information in many different ways, we can leverage it to only do what we need. Cool. So let's, let's uh, go a little further with this. I'm going to add, I'm going to switch back to VS Code here in a second. I'm going to add a component to uh, our admin dashboard um, lib. And then we're going to run this thing again. Uh, we're going to run this thing with the affected command, the depth graphs with the affected command. And we're going to see a, a new graph that is going to indicate what got changed. Um, and then we'll also dive into the affected as, as well. And we can kind of see that. So let me switch back here. Hi. Okay. All right. So I've done a commit. So I've kind of got everything uh, completed here. There's no pending changes, that sort of thing. Uh, I am going to ng generate a component. I'll do C for component. I am going to call this dashboard dash view. I want to target a project. Um, Again, if we remember that apps and libs get created as project entries, so we can use the Angular CLI flag dash dash project uh, equals, we give it the name. In this case, we're going to do, uh, it was admin dash dashboard, because we're going to add it to the lib, right? The, the dashboard lib that we created. Again, that dashboard lib that we created, we nested it in a directory. So it, when it named that thing, it used the directory name dash the lib name that we gave, that's why the, the name is admin dash dashboard. And we can just see that really quick here. If we look in the uh, Angular CLI, angular.json file, we can go in and, and uh, see our admin dash dashboard. That's the, the key name, right, of our project name. So it's going to use that. It's going to say that's where we want to add this component to. Uh, and I believe that's all I'm going to need to do right here. Let's check it out. Make sure that it's going to create it in the admin libs, admin dashboard. It's going to put it in there. It's going to use the uh, Angular um, style guide convention. That actually, it's using the Angular CLI component generator to generate the same way you, you're used to it. it. Creates a directory. You can pass all the other flags, everything you want to do, because we're just using the generate component command. Um, but it knows where to put it, right? So we'll do this, we'll run that. 
you take a look here, we can see inside of our libs admin dashboard directory in the lib directory. Did this refresh? What am I missing? Maybe maybe VS Code did not yeah, refresh code. here. Are you uh, just hit the refresh icon? Select the uh, lib folder. There we go. Thank you. Okay, so now we've got our dashboard view component in here. It updated the module, added it to the declarations, right? Everything that we're used to in terms of the schematic for generating the component. Okay. Um, so now let's go in. Um, we're not actually using this. We're not actually uh, rendering this component right now, uh, but we've wired it up within the module, right? Um, and added it in there. Um, so now it's it's a part of that. Let's go in, I'm gonna switch. Well, actually I'm gonna run this command while I have this open here. Should we run the effective command, Jason? Yep, so it should be npm run affected colon depth graph. And then um, you wanna do dash dash and another dash dash base equals master, probably? Yeah. Cool. Okay, so we explain really quick what this is. So the dash dash space, we've done it on an episode before, but I think that's basically allowing us to flow through, through this call, right? To send in an argument down into the script that's run by affected depth graph. Okay. Yeah, so npm run affected depth graph runs something and we wanna pass arguments to it. So the dash dash allows us to separate where we're adding things to, like we're flowing it through. That's a good way to say it. We're flowing through the arguments after the dash dash into the command that's run by npm run affected depth graph. And what the argument is in this case is base is like your base branch. So we're comparing your current state to your base branch. And we're getting the diff, like literally the git diff and we're seeing which files have been changed. And according to those files being changed, we can say which projects have been changed and therefore in a recursive way through the relationships that NX understands what other projects got affected as well. And the depth graph will show that visually. So this is the where the tooling really like kind of goes next level, right? Um, because it, it allows it to identify, like you mentioned, the, the changes, right? And then we can start doing things like plugging this into our continuous integration, our build systems to be able to efficiently only rebuild, only test, only confirm the things that were affected by the code changes in our commits that, that we're pushing in here, right? Because you can think of as, as monorepo gets big, it's one of those things that we, we get concerned about is, What's the rebuild time of all of our applications? What's the continuous integration experience? When I make a change to that repo, how long is that whole system gonna take before I get a green light to merge my PR, right? You need tooling around that to make that efficient and fast. NX provides that tooling. And the affected uh, script is, is one of those powerful ways that it does that to uh, understand what those changes are. Okay, so let's run this. And I am going to stop sharing this code and share this browser again. Okay. And so we can see here now, we've got that same sort of visualization that we saw a minute ago, but now we got some red, right? Um, or 
hopefully red, unless you're colorblind, maybe this is brown, I don't know. But um, these ones on the left here are highlighted, right? We've got admin E2E, admin, and admin-dashboard. They're all highlighted that these were the ones that were affected by our change um, in that difference in that, that current you know, changes that we have out there, right? So we can see that our addition of this component to our admin-dashboard lib is effectively going to affect the admin app, the admin-e2e app. Those are things that we're going to need to be concerned about, rerunning, retesting, that sort of thing. Right, and then you'll notice that website on the other side not highlighted red, so you can tell your QA team you don't have to test the website, just test the admin section and stuff like that. So pretty cool. You got this visualization, right? That you can see uh, this tree and, the, and this um, how these things play out across your entire uh, workspace in your repository. Okay, uh, let's do, let's see, switch back to the code here. So then we can also do this, run this affected, right? And I believe Jason, this is the same command only without the depth graph part or? Yeah, so you can run affected for many different commands. Um, there's build, there's test, there's end-to-end, -end, there's lint. Um, I don't know, Justin, what do you feel like doing right now? <laughs> Let's see, let's do um, affected apps. We're gonna do the same option flag, is that correct? Same options. Okay, so let's run this and we'll see what we got here. Okay, we get output that admin was the affected app, right? So we can see there from the command line run from the terminal, we get this output. You can imagine now we can plug these things in again into our continuous integration, into our or build pipeline, our workflow to be able to, to run these commands, read out this data that it spit out and make decisions around what we need to do, right? So in this case, ng test admin would be a good thing to, to run at this point because we know that admin is affected by this change, right? Um, probably ng build admin, same sort of deal, right? Um, like Jason mentioned, we don't need to do that for the website because the website wasn't affected by this code change throughout our repository, so. And right now there's two apps, so it kind of seems simple because it's like, yeah, I touched the admin dashboard, obviously admin is affected, but this is very useful for enterprises that are dealing with like 20 apps, you know, they have like 50 something libraries and like corporations like Google, they've kind of taken this They've done their whole, almost all of their code in one monitor though, and they're able to tell you in a calculated fashion what gets affected, what needs to be rebuilt. Um, to be clear, um, there's actually four applications in play here because the E2E -E applications, as they're executable and runnable, are considered to be applications. And if you went back and look at the dependency graph, those E2E -E applications do show up as red. So you know that it's since the dependent the application that the EDE test is depending on has changed that you should also be going to look at your EDE test to make sure that those are up to date as well. Great point, Mike, great point. Okay, that's a lot. <laughs> there, there's still a little more too. Uh, we won't cover it here, we're gonna wrap it up. But uh, 
you know, uh, how do you spell NX? It's hard N, so the letter N. Okay. <laughs> capital N, lowercase X. Oh, thank you. Sure. Um, yeah, there's other tooling, like there's the a schematic to generate uh, workspace schematics, which is pretty cool. Uh, provide you a way that you can uh, architect your own schematics. And it does the plumbing for that, right? Does the setup and plumbing for that. There's a directory in here uh, that NX sets up called tools, schematics. And that provides you this uh, home for if you want to generate your, your own schematics. And schematics, you know, the wonder of schematics. We had that on the show a bunch of times too. Uh, you can create schematics that extend the existing schematics. You can create your own schematics for scaffolding out additional code. Uh, NX provides a schematic for setting up that that infrastructure to make that pretty easy to get up and going or pretty straightforward to get up and going with that. Um, yeah, and then I think there's some things planned uh, in the pipe pretty soon for NX that'll hopefully add additional uh, goodies as well that are in the works. So be on the lookout for that. I don't know if Jason wants to mention anything that's, that's coming or that that's being worked on. Well, a bunch of things that have kind of emerged into the repo already. So if you're following that, you'll see. But um, one of the things that we really didn't like about how Angular CLI was doing things, but it's justified. So like the Karma configurations, every application has its own Karma configuration. And this is great because then, you know, the team that works on app one can dictate whatever they want there. The team that works on app two can dictate whatever they have there. But a lot of times you'll have some shared configuration. So something that will re be releasing soon, can't say exactly when, but something will be releasing soon is that it'll be a global kind of karma configuration again. And you can extend that shared karma configuration. And then we've updated our NGRX schematics. So for a while, um, the workspace is on 5.2 version 5.2 of uh, NGRX. So we've updated that to use version six. So those are things that will be released soon. And there's more stuff after that, which is not really done yet. So stay tuned. All right. All right, so that's kind of a, a sneak peek at what the latest version of NX is like, kind of the experience of using it, um, some of the power lists there and, and stuff like that. I hope that's helpful. Uh, we went through a lot of stuff. Any uh, final questions or anything from our panel or anybody wants to say anything? I want to say thank you to the YouTube chat uh, participants because we had some really good questions today. So you guys uh, rock on. Good on you. Cool. And, and Mike actually did a really good job of answering questions in the chat, even though that was my job. But Mike, uh, Mike was really awesome. So don't let it go to your head, Mike. I'm an assistant to the regional manager. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so you can always go to uh, nrwl.io slash nx to get the documentation and stuff on nx. Uh, you can get a link to the repo there. Uh, we also have a, a free course on nx workspaces that's in the process of getting updated to the latest version. It was based on our previous version of nx. Uh, so some commands and stuff have changed. So that'll be updated as well. Uh, yeah, and try it out. Check it out. It's it's solves a lot of problems. It's pretty nice. I think. <laughs> All right. I know Bonnie has some picks. You want to do some picks real quick? I don't know. Do we have time for picks? Yeah, we all How about if I just do one pick? 
because I know we like ran really long, but there's one thing that I discovered this week that I'm pretty excited about. Did you guys know that Stephen Fluin has a YouTube channel? Yeah, actually. It's, yes. it's pretty amazing. So he just released uh, some HTTP operators uh, and I was checking that out this morning and I thought it was pretty exciting. So uh, we can maybe tweet out a link. I'll tweet out a link and you can tweet out a link if you want. They're pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, I like his uh, videos a lot. Yeah, demos with Angular. They're very well done. They are very well done. Don't let it go to your head either, Stephen, if you see this. But they're good. Very cool. Anybody else have any picks? You want to shout out? Oh, oh, one more. Sorry, sorry. One more. Uh, Stephen is going to be on NG Houston tomorrow night, actually. So that's it. I have some more, but I'm going to save them. And, and where can we view NG Houston? Uh, NG underscore Houston on Twitter. You can go on YouTube. You can go on meetup.com and join the meetup, and then you'll get notified every single time we have an awesome guest on. Or a non-awesome, you would be notified either way, I guess. Very cool. But they're all awesome, right? Yeah, they're all awesome. Everything I wouldn't put them on the show if they weren't. Yeah. OK, that's a wrap. Thank you, Jason, for joining us, helping me out. I helped me explain this stuff. really appreciate it. Thanks to our panelists, as always, um, sharing your time. And, and thank next you week, to you, Justin, for being a guest. That was an awesome show, Justin. Yeah, I, well, I hope you like it because I'm probably going to do the same thing next week with uh, Angular Playground and show how to utilize that to do um, component work in isolation and the power of that and, and how that helps that whole workflow process from development architecture, component architecture to design as well and makes that easier to work with our pieces of our application that we build. So that's going to be an awesome show. Remember the first time I saw Angular Playground and I was like, oh, that's so cool. Who wrote that? And you said, I wrote that, Bonnie. And I was like, oh, I felt like such a doofus. Yeah. But I love it. That's going to be cool. So the same thing. I don't think it'll run as long, but it'll be uh, next week. So tune in or watch it after it's recorded. Either way, whatever you like. All right. Have a good one. We'll see you next time. Thanks for hanging out. Later. See you.